This is On and Off Your Mat podcast, episode 203, The Yoga Bill. Did you know that the state of Alabama in the U.S. banned any techniques that involved guided imagery, meditation, or yoga in schools back in the 90s? Kind of mind-blowing to think about it, isn't it? Well, our guest of today worked to change that and to make it legal for schools to introduce yoga to kids again. Yay! So for today's episode, I sat down with Jeremy Gray. Jeremy is an African-American politician, yogi, entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, and former professional athlete. He is currently serving as the Alabama state representative and is running for Congress. He has sponsored legislation that would allow yoga into Alabama public schools with the Yoga Bill and authored a book, Yoga and Me, Mind, Body, and Spirit for Kids. This book is in honor of the HB246, the actual name of the Yoga Bill, that allows students from K to 12 in Alabama public schools to practice yoga, breathing, and meditation in school setting as an elective. Amazing. If this episode inspires you in any way or it helps you share yoga with the kids, parents, and teachers in your life, share it and help them on the yoga journey. I always love to read your takeaways on the episode, so make sure to take a screenshot of the episode when you listen to it and share it on IG tagging either at On and Off Your Mat Podcast or Erica.Belanger. I'll be happy to see it. Before we get to today's episode, I have one more announcement regarding Recharge, Reconnect, and Reset, the retreat that is coming up this April. If you've been thinking about going on a retreat in 2024, this is for you. Until December 31st, if you join with a friend, you both save $250. And if you have two friends and you want to share your room, the three of you together, you all save $300 each. So not only do you get an incredible retreat for 2024, but you share the experience with your besties. This retreat is like getting three months of coaching with me packed in seven days. You'll learn all my favorite mind, body, spirit, nervous system, self-care practices and how to use them to drop the hustle lifestyle that you live in, how to melt your stress away and let go of your anxiety and really transform your life from the inside out. If you're a sensitive soul or a yogi and you're ready to put yourself first, to cater to your needs without guilt for once, and to learn how you can return to your life feeling rejuvenated and equipped to make it last, this is going to be life-changing for you. So if you'd like to get on a call to talk about all the details, you can DM me on Instagram, the work retreat, or you can send me an email. You'll have my email in the show notes, or you can go to ericavelange.com slash retreat, and you'll have a lot of the details there. All right, if you're ready to jump into today's episode with Jeremy, let's go. It's going to be a good one. Hi, Jeremy. How you doing, Erica? So well, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. I'm so happy that we're chatting about what we're chatting today. It's something we haven't really gotten into the podcast before. So before we dive into kind of what I wanted us to talk about, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey for listeners that don't know who you are yet? Yeah, I'm representative of Jeremy Gray. I represent basically the Lee and Russell County in Alabama. Alabama, if you don't know, is right next to Georgia, other side of Mississippi, right below Tennessee. <laughs> and so <laughs> I represent that what you call the 83rd district. I have about a 50,000 people in my district constituents. I was elected in 2018. I'm on my fifth year. So I was reelected in 2022 to rewind a little bit. I was born and raised in Opelika. I was a real advocate for sports. I was a three-sport athlete in high school. 
that allowed me to actually get a football scholarship to North Carolina State University, where I went on to play professional football. And that's where I was connected with my journey with yoga. Through sports, just growing up in the environment that I've grown up in, it was very impoverished, not a lot of information as far as yoga, right? And I'm a vegan, right? So those are two things I didn't actually learn growing up. Those are things that I learned throughout my journey. And so when it was packaged to me as yoga, for me, it was about how can I be better on the field? How can I be more flexible, have more balance, recover faster? So for me, it was a competitive edge. And then later on throughout my journey, I began to understand the essence of yoga, the breathing, the union, the mind, body, and soul portion of it. But we all have to have a vehicle of how we introduce ourselves to things that we're not taught about growing up. And that was the way that I was introduced. Yeah, that's awesome. And then within your journey in politics, yoga kind of came in as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's pretty special, I think. Yeah. So you know how you just have a journey of life experience. You don't know why you learn how to do yoga. You don't know why you was a yoga instructor and things of that nature. And then you figure out this moment in life, right? It comes full circle. So in 2019, I was elected in 18. 2019 started my first session. Before I went into session, I went to a high school and close to my district. And we were talking about government and how does it work? And I'm trying to get young people engaged in the process, right? And yoga came up. I was like, what do your credit to balance in your life? I said, a good diet and yoga. And everyone just stared at me like yoga, right? <laughs> and not because they didn't know what yoga was, because yoga was actually banned in their school. Like they were not allowed to do yoga. And so the teachers put me off to the side and say, yeah, it was some rule that was created in 1993 where it doesn't allow us to do a yoga class in our high school and which you advocate for it. So me being naive, I'm going <laughs> in the session for my first time. I'm like, yeah, I can bring this yoga bill because, you know, everyone does yoga, right? People do yoga everywhere in wrecks, at churches, things of that nature. But I forgot that I was in Alabama. And so when I brought that bill, it came with a lot of criticism, mostly mm. because in Alabama is what you call the Bible Belt. So Christianity, the Bible, Jesus, all those things culminating with people that don't understand culture or culture outside of Alabama, you know, it'll turn into a, a Hinduism or that it will convert you. Basically, it was a way to introduce Hinduism to kids to convert them and that it was going to essentially make them demonic and all of these things. And it was really because they was trying to protect their religion, right? And they didn't mm -hmm. understand. And so it took me three years of education because they scared all my colleagues. All my colleagues are old, you know, they were older guys, they're males, and they don't do yoga, right? And if they have done yoga, it's through their wife or something like that. And so it took me three years to educate not only like my colleagues, right? Alabama, the world. Yeah, exactly. We should do yoga in schools because it's not about so much the poses. It's about dealing with stress, anxiety. It's a self-help tool that was invented in India, right? They can take credit for it, but it's a thing that's used by everyone throughout the whole world, right? And at the end of the day, it's exercise and breathing on a routine with rhythm, right? And so once I was able to get them to capture that, 
I was able to get the bill passed. Of course, I'm in politics, so there's no such thing as a perfect bill. So words like namaste was left out because they didn't want the spiritual undertone of it. And so mm-hmm. just so that I could get the bill passed. Yeah, I mean, you take the win, you know? <laughs> you just have to take the win, right? And really what I was just trying to do was get it off the books as being banned. Because no one is going to police if anyone is saying namaste or doing imagery and all those things. But it was more for those schools that were more progressive and, you know, just out of the box thinkers with innovators that they could do yoga in schools, right? They want to have a yoga class. They want to do breathing. They want to do all these things. They could do it. And so now you see the benefits all over Alabama. Sports teams are able to do it. Kids are able to do it. And they're able to do it in peace, right? And so that was one of those things where I became famous, but not wanting to be famous, right? I was really just being naive and just was advocating. And I ended up being in the news, like, I think, 58 weeks straight, like in Germany, in Africa, in India, in every state. And so because it was such a big deal that Alabama was the only place that yoga was banned. Right. And so the things you don't know. Right. And that was kind of those things where I was like, I thought that we progressed in the world in 2019. But then I kind of saw as a state how far back we were still. So that was a journey. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I like the idea that you went at it just like, I need to educate people on this practice. And from there, we'll have at least like this level of understanding that we're talking about the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So for people that are still thinking like, even if it's not from the religious aspect of it, or maybe it is that yoga shouldn't really have its place in school and it should be something you do after hours and it's not the place of the school to bring this in. What can we kind of bring into the conversation to educate further and kind of close that gap? Well, think about somebody like me. I grew up in an impoverished neighborhood. Like no one taught me about yoga. So how do I learn about yoga? If I don't have a gym membership, I can't afford to go to a studio. No one is teaching it in my community. So how am I introduced to the things that are supposed to make my life, Mm. right? And just think about it from a standpoint of... Accessibility, inclusivity. And and some people really need yoga, right? Like some people are starving. They're being abused. They had trauma. They're going through real experiences. And these are children. How do they see beyond their situation? How do they cope with these things? How do they change negatives to positives and graduate and become productive? Because the more trauma that you have and the less you know how to deal with it, those things carry on, right? And some people don't become productive. Some people go to prison. Some people become abusive. So for me, it's like public schools, especially because that's where it was banned, they need access to yoga, right? At least Mm. learn. Isn't it wrong with learning forestry or agriculture? That don't mean you have to be a farmer, right? But at least you (laughs) learn about it, right? At least you know it exists. And so for me, it was life changing. Like I would have never known about yoga if I didn't play sports because I would have had no need. I would have not received it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if the generation above, if the parents are coming from this mentality that it's dangerous and it's, you know, it's going to turn you into something and it's the devil and all of this, you're not going to be exposed by your parents. You're not going to be exposed by your community, even if it would be in reach when it comes to, you know, your capacity money-wise or time-wise, or even if it was in reach, it's not going to be introduced to you. So then 
school is the only way that everybody can have access to an introduction. And then from there, they can decide if they want to learn more about it. And it's not like it's 60 minute yoga, right? It's not flow. It's not, it's just breathing, <laughs> laying on a mat, just doing some poses. So it's very five, 10 minute oriented group exercise for kids to relax and just get yeah. in learning mode. So I don't see what's the deal, but I think everyone has embraced it now. Yeah, that's awesome. It's very exciting. Do you think we can teach the values and the principles of yoga without getting into or even close to the religious aspect or spiritual aspect of it? Or is it only about letting kids be in their body, deal with their stress, find their breath, feel grounded? Or is there a desire in the future to even go further into everything else that is under that big yoga umbrella. I think how people teach yoga these days is so many variations that you probably would never get to the religious part of it, right? And the cultural part of it. For me, right? If you want to broaden a kid's mind or a person's mind, we should learn about all cultures, right? Their religions, they don't mean you have to participate in it. You should know, right? And so for me, I don't have a problem with it going beyond the exercise part because we're supposed to be inclusive in the United States, right? India is an ally mm -hmm. to America, right? We have Indians that live here. They're my friends. They're taxpayers. They do all those things. They have festivals. They have International Yoga Day. So the same way we put Christianity on other people and they embrace it or they learn about it, I think it should be reciprocated the same way. Now, do I think that it has to actually introduce them to the culture and Hinduism? No, because I think that for me, if I hadn't become a yoga instructor, I would have never known the origin of yoga, right? I would have never known anything, but it was a exercise. It made me fit. It made me lean. It made me, you know, more balanced. And so you can get away with it because it's so commercialized without actually going into the root what it is. But I think for educational purposes that I think anything you do, you should learn the root of it. Because most people don't even know it's the union mm -hmm. of breath, right? It's not even about the poses. It's really about breathing. And breathing is essential, whether you're a Christian, reading the Bible, whatever you're doing, <laughs> you need breathing, right? And so I think that's what's wrong with the world. We don't understand each other. For me, I would have no problem with it. Yeah. I mean, it brings that understanding of the other, even within the US, within the country, within your state, people that might be your neighbor. And that way we're moving into the principles and we're moving into the values of yoga without having to talk about anything religious, even spiritual based, like just that interconnectedness of your breath and your body, but you and your neighbor, you know, like we can easily kind of transfer into without yeah. going into any dangerous territory. <laughs> From there, you went and also authored a book for kids about yoga called Yoga and Me, Mind, Body, and Spirit. Why did you decide to go a step further and focus on children still? Why was that important? Or what did you want to do from this book? Really, on a three-year journey, right? I was educating people. But I also educated myself, right? I saw like reports from universities. I saw something that like Baltimore was doing. I seen where people were doing stuff in New York and I, and I developed all these friends and it was like me journaling, right? Like, you know how people take notes and they write their experiences. Instead of doing that, I just wrote a book, right? Like I wrote the words. I'd never written a book or authored a book. So they were just words, right? For me, it was just a way to put something down on paper 
because I was going through three years of consistent, like the yoga guy, the yoga guy, the yoga guy. So it was like, well, how do I make this experience <laughs> a great experience, right? Because at some point, I'm going to pass the bill. What is the next step? So I had written this during that three-year period, but I just kind of had it in my notes. I was like, you know, it's just there. One day, maybe mm-hmm. become something, but, you know, I had no ambitions, right? And then once I passed the bill, I'm just one of those people. I'm very goal-oriented. So what's the next thing I'm going to do? What's the next thing I'm going to do? So I was getting my executive MBA. I was going through a 21-month program at Auburn University. And they asked, what are my goals? Like, what are some audacious goals that I wanted to do? And I said, I want to write a book, right? And I already have the content. I just need to manifest it into a book, right? And so through that journey, uh, allowed me to actually connect with someone. It's funny how the world works when you believe in yoga and great energy and chemistry and things of that nature. Sometimes people just come to you, right? Like they just come to you. And I met this lady out of Maryland. She published books. We got going and it became a product. And then from there, it was easy to kind of sell and read the kids because I'm the yoga man, right? And this book is really geared around conflict resolution, coping with anxiety, stress, expectation, being kind, self-love. There's no yoga in there, right? It talks about inhaling and exhaling and breathing. It has a few poses in there, but the concept is kids going through their everyday journey, whether they make all A's, make an L, they get bullied. These are real life situations and how you deal with it through breathing, breathing and thinking it through. And understanding that today may have been bad, don't have to finish bad, right? Having positive reinforcements, things, affirmations that help you get through the day and the next day, because we understand that the teenage suicide rate is very high in America, right? And so kids, not when we were growing up, like we were just kind of taught to, you know, shake it off or, you know, be tough or all those things, traumatic things that happen to us. That's not happening to kids today. They have feelings, right? They have emotions. They have anxiety. They know what anxiety is in the second grade. I was reading to kids today, yoga and me in Troy, Alabama. I said, who has anxiety? Who has stress? Who has expectations that they can't fulfill? Well, as a kid, I would have probably never raised my hand because that would have been my reality. But kids with social media and so many things, they're more social, emotionally aware than we were growing up. And this book allows them to reflect on themselves and situations. And it's like meeting the kids where they are today. Like we were not there in our generation. We were experiencing these things, but we didn't have the words and we didn't know how to like point it out and want to do something about it. But that idea of like just teaching kids to breathe and feel their feelings and kind of move on from there. And that idea of their social capacity. It's incredible. It's way beyond doing a tree pose, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like changing the world, little human at the time. I think that we've had a world where we've ruled with an iron fist, right? We've been bullied. We bully. We want power. We want aggression. We want people to fear us, right? Yeah, power over. You can have power and kindness and empathy. Like Power can be so many different ways that we have to generate a new idea of what leadership is. And we have to have kind people, right? Not like pushovers, but 
people with empathy, people that understand, people that have compassion. You can still be ambitious. You can still be aggressive. You can still compete. But the way people get to the top, we need to change that, right? We need to get there and help other people there. It's not like I'm at the top. I'm pushing everyone down. We have that mentality. And so it creates a balance where we're not balanced, right? You have people who are on top, who are always trying to stay on top. They're paranoid. They're angry. They're mad all the time. They, they don't <laughs> even know why they're mad, right? And then you have people who can't get opportunities. And when they get the opportunity, they become very much like the person that was holding them back. How do we change that where we have harmony, right, on our planet, right? Kind people. Kind doesn't mean you're a pushover. Kind means you still protect yourself, but you lead with kindness first, right? Never let anyone bully you, but what can you do to avoid it, right? Can you be nicer? Can you say, oh, I don't want to fight you. Can I help you? Like those things, are you okay today? I love you. We don't use those things and we don't really know what people are going through. And sometimes they're just being hurt by other people, so they hurt. And so I just think, that if we don't have that kind of leadership in the near future, then we as a world, as a capacity, we're in trouble. Yeah. I love that idea. We're taking little kids and we're creating the leaders of the future, right? And we're changing the type of leadership we want to see in our community where it's like a king and queen archetype energy of like, you're grounded in your power. You're not, you know, having power over, but you're trying to actually have an impact on the world. And it comes from this place of love and connection and collaboration instead of trying to rule in this way that is aggressive in the sense of like you're taking advantage of other people or you're hurting other people to stay on top. So I think that's a really good way to look at the future. What's your hope for that generation and what's to come in Alabama or in the U.S.? I tell people there's disruptors, right? There's people who there's a way of doing things and there's a generation that flips things upside down. At some point that'll happen, right? And I know people get nervous and they'll say young people come in and but it's needed. At some point, every person on earth was young, right? That's the only way they've changed though. Like you were a disruptor as well. Otherwise, you know, the state would be in the same state. <laughs> a generation will come, right? And they will be disruptors. They will flip the system upside down, how we know politics. You got to think about it. Gen Z and millennials will rule the world, right? They're already probably like 50% of the workforce. So everything will start to change, how people get elected, how jobs, you know, how jobs are created. Is it remote? Is it hybrid? All those things are because of young people. It's not because of the generation before us. And so my hope is that when they do, right, take the reins and become leaders, that they lead in a way that helps us get to a progressive place, a positive place for the next hundred years, thousand years, that it also not only helps the physical body, the mind, the spirit, but also the earth, the planet, and everything in it, because we have to kind of take care of the planet just so like we take care of our bodies. And so it's just my hope that they're more consciously aware of what's going on. A lot of times we mm-hmm. were in this zombie mentality, right? Where everybody's trying to get likes. They're doing this, they're doing that. And no one wants to be unique. Everybody looks the same. And we have to just embrace a generation, I hope, that comes and say, look, we try to Yahweh, 
we don't want to do it that way. This is our way. And I hope it's better because if they're just following the next generation, I think we're doomed, right? I think you have to have those individuals that come, you know, whatever, 100 years, 50 years, whether it's in like rap or whether it's in, you know, in the political realm or whether they're like spiritual leaders like MLK or like whoever it may be, you need people like that because those people are the ones at the end of the day or in the history books, that's who we learn about. A lot of them are not liked when they're alive or when they were actually doing whatever they were doing. But at the end of the day, people respected them, right? And we were better for it at the end of the day. And so that's what I'm looking for. And you see it all over the world, right? You see it in politics. Young people who are just like, we're not taking it anymore. You see it in music and in sports. Like they're paying kids to play sports now. So think about when I was in school, it was like, no way an athlete is getting paid on the collegiate level or high school level. And now look at the results. So for me, without that change, that push, you don't get the things that you get now. And so I'm happy for Like, I'm not one of those persons that say, oh yeah, I didn't get to do it when I was, you know, in high school and college. So I don't think other people, right? You have to kind of bridge that gap and accept that sometimes you're just a person. You're not going to actually get to walk across the bridge. You're going to just build. Yeah, you'll put one brick. <laughs> you'll participate in building that bridge. And then in a generation, people yeah. will be able to cross over. I love that. For people that want either their teachers, their caregiver, their parents, they want to bring their kids up and to be more consciously aware, to be better leaders. Do you have any tips into how they can start incorporating yoga or other things for emotional regulation? How do they get started if they're new to this? It's called projection, positive thoughts. Like when you get up in the morning, Think positive. Like, are you saying that I'm going to have a good day in school? Are you like projecting A's? Are you projecting the things that you want to see out of the day? So we know that when you think positive, positive things happen, right? And so projecting one's day helps them. Even when the day is not the perfect day, it helps them navigate the destination. Yeah, it's like putting a target. Exactly. So, and then the second one is connection. At any given point throughout the day, we should all just close our eyes, take about 10 breaths, and just close our eyes and connect with our inner self and just be still because that allows for the outside to be blocked and for us to focus and hone in. And if like someone has made us mad or we frustrated or we're flustered, we can recalibrate. And the third one, It's reflection. At the end of the day, what can you reflect on your day, right? Were you a good person today? Were you nice today? Reflection of yourself, not just the day, but what you could have done better, what could have been better about the day, and then try to fix that the next day, right? So for me, it's reflection, it's projection, connection, and reflection. And people don't understand that's like yoga, right? Like it didn't seem like it, right? But it's it's like imagery. <laughs> yeah. It's like breathing. It's like reflection. Yeah. So that's what I would start with. And that's today when I was with the second grade class, I said, if you don't learn anything else today, learn these three things. And that's what we did. Learn about projection, connection, mm. and reflection. 
Yeah, I love that. That's simple enough for any parent to bring it into their child's life. It's like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about how you want your day to go. Let's take a moment in life when you see your kid being flustered, being, you know, reactive or acting in a way that doesn't align with the day that they wanted to have, having a moment of like calm coming back to yourself. And then at the end of the day, taking a minute before bed to reflect, how was your day? How can we do better tomorrow? And adults too, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we could all use that a little bit more in our days. Like it really doesn't have to be complicated. And it's what I like about this three-step method is that it's quite simple. Really like it's simple, but it's powerful and it can really have an impact. If you actually take the time, it's going to become more automatic with time. It'll be easier, but it will have definite impact into how your day is going to unfold and how you're going to respond instead of react over time and how you're going to move forward towards your targets, your goals, instead of getting stuck in that autopilot we were talking about into the automation of everyday life. And then 10 years go by and you're like, what do I have to show for? Oh, love this. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with today. Breathing is powerful. Yoga is powerful. I mean, it's, you know, people laugh at me when I say it's probably one of the most important things that I learned in my life. Like it really literally changed my life. And it was like yoga. I was like, you don't really understand because it's breathing, it's positive reinforcement. It helps you deal with adversity, trauma, barriers, like all those things, it gives you mental capacity where you may be at war with yourself and you can get out of it. There's so many things that is a self-affliction that people don't understand that we do to ourselves. Yoga helps with that. And I say that it changed just the trajectory of my life because at one point I was like that person going around in a circle. I was moving, but I wasn't going anywhere, right? And then when I introduced the concept of yoga and breathing and being able to actually see the things that I wanted to accomplish and do, they just happen, right? Now, they don't just happen without doing the work, right? But what happens is once you do the work, it's like faith, right? Or, you know, taking that next step. You can't always see the next step. Faith is like a must see, right? You can barely see. You have to trust it. Well, once you get that and you can see it clearly and you start to make the necessary steps, you become aligned to your, I think, your destiny and your purpose. And your needs, your wants, the things that you lack, it doesn't matter, right? You're going to get all of those things because the greatest gift is to accomplish something without the resources, right? Because then people see how great it is, right? You don't might not have the the most money or been the most talented or the most well-spoken or the best looking or whatever it may be, but you got where you got, right? And that's evidence and a testimony that when your mind is alert and your soul and your spirit and you have self-love and you know where you're going, you're going to get to the destination. I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you? How can they support you? Where can they get your book? Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your world. Yeah, so X, Instagram, all at Rep Jeremy Grant. So whether it's TikTok, Facebook, whatever, it's F Rep Jeremy Gray. And then you can get the book Yoga in Me on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, pretty much every online bookstore. You can get it on those platforms. And, you know, recently I announced that I was running for the second congressional seat, the new 
district in Alabama. If anyone has been following Alabama, where the Supreme Court ruled that we had maps that were unconstitutional. So we were able to get new congressional maps. We have seven congressional seats. One was a minority seat that's held by Terry Sewell. And so we have a new congressional seat, District 2. And I'm one of the 13 candidates on the Democratic side running. It's 21 people in all. It's eight Republicans running. It's 13 Democrats running. And so I officially launched my campaign, Jeremy Gray for Congress. You know, you can look up Act Blue and donate. You can do .com to go on my website. You can do at Gmail to email me. And so I will really just love you all to support me because I think I can do more. I feel like I've done a lot of things on a state level. And, you know, there's a Bible verse that say, you know, when you're faithful over few, you get more. You'll be able to be ruler over many. And so I feel like I've been faithful um, my whole life over a few things. So it's time to elevate and go for bigger things. Well, good luck with this. I'll be following from this side of the world. Excited to see where this goes. And thank you so much for your time today. It was lovely to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you and your besties wants to join Recharge, Reconnect and Reset the Retreat that's coming up this April, you have until December 31st to save up to $300 each and share this incredible experience together. DM me or send me an email about the details and I'll tell you how you can sign up. You'll find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 203. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to everybody supporting this podcast, especially our premium members. Without you guys, this would not be possible. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next Monday.